Good evening, church. Welcome. Uh, we are going to start in pray, prayer because who knows, I need to move out of the way so that God can speak through me and use me tonight to bring some revelation and inspiration to everybody in this house. So can I ask you to place your hands and your hearts towards heaven and really put yourself in an attitude and a posture of, of prayer. Father God, we come before you tonight as your children, Father, and we understand and we recognize that we know nothing. We have no ability or capability that is new under the sun that is by our own creation. Everything we have is from you. Everything we do is for you. And everything that we sometimes take as ours is always yours. And so tonight, Lord God, I pray that you use the words I believe you have placed into my heart this evening to bring transformation to people's lives, Father God, in the area of their hearts and in the area of their finances. Because every Every single person on the planet is impacted by the area of finances. And Father, if our hearts are not in the right posture in that area, how can we ever do what you have called us to do as your bride, the glorious church? And all of God's people said, Amen. Just two seconds. I should have done paper. You can all take a seat. I'm like, I thought, I'll go with my technology, and then I realized, how do I open it and hold the microphone at the same time? So I do apologize. But listen, I want to start and, uh, and give a shout out to my family who are here this evening. So uh, David and Nicola Kimber and my wife who's backstage. So in case anyone missed it, uh, my wife and I were matched. We are now a family of five. Um, we have three sons. So whenever you have a moment to pray, please pray for us. Um, uh, we did choose it. It wasn't done to us, but we still need the prayers. And, uh, and I just want to give a shout out to my wonderful in-laws who are here um, from England. And we're so blessed and thankful for them to be here. But why am I standing here, guys? And for those of you that know me, I am actually not someone who really ever wants to be in this position. So I am much more comfortable in the background, uh, serving and doing the things that help make church to be a wonderful experience. But if there was one or two series that I would want to be a part of, one on finances would definitely be a place where I would go, Lord, I'm in. And, and the reason that I would put my hand up for a series like this is because I understand the benefits. When I met my now wife in 2011, I was so in debt. It wasn't even funny. And what was even worse was I was already five years in a journey of overcoming my debt. And I want you to understand the first time that I understood what giving is, I had to give away everything that I had to live on. Because I'm a man of obedience, and when God said, give your tithe, I gave my tithe. But the other 90% was already owed to lots of other people. And so I lived like that for a long time. And, and by the, when I proposed marriage to my wife, I always say this uh, to marriage prep, because one of the common reasons for people not getting married is, I can't afford it. Newsflash, you're never going to afford being married. But the reality is... And when I proposed marriage, every pound and penny in my bank account, I spent on her engagement ring. And it wasn't flashy, and she loves her ring, but everything I had, I spent on that ring. And I had to ring my mother and say, can I borrow some money to take her out for dinner? Because I've just, I haven't really thought this through. So if she says yes, we're going to be eating kind of paper chips on, the, on a park bench, because I have no money to take her anywhere. And... Um, 
And that was on the 2nd of March in 2013. And when we said I do on the 28th of September, I was no longer in debt. I had been miraculously brought through. There was a, 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 a Facebook post that I posted 13 years ago, a few days ago, which said, after all these years, I finally got an email saying, you are debt free. And that was significant, church, because when I stepped into marriage, the shackles of my financial past did not come with me. I stepped into my marriage a new man under Christ, a man that had been redeemed, a man that had been transformed. And what I want to share with you tonight are some of the principles I believe I have learned and that I continue to apply because who knows that uh, there's nothing, never a point where we get to say we have arrived or we have finished or we have been delivered. We are always working through and being sanctified, being changed, being transformed. It is a process that we have to go through continually. So that is why I stand here tonight. And I want to share with you two beautiful uh, things that have happened in our church recently. And in case you don't know, I am one of the team that does the money here. So I, I look at the bank accounts. I look at the ties coming through. I'm always aware of what we have and where we're spending. And, and again, the reason I can do that is because of the principles that I had today. And so a few weeks ago, many of you know, Lacanio left us to go to Peter Marisburg. He was sent to become a lead pastor of another church. And it was a wonderful evening. And there was a beautiful sense of anointing. And then the team comes at the end of the evening and say, Uncle Chris, we don't know what to do. Like we've got this bag of coins and, uh, and our safe doesn't take coins through it. So we, we know we go to the bank separately, but we were trying to give Lacanio the money and people were like, what do we do? And so I just said, it's fine. I'll EFT the money. Give me the coins. But as I went home with this bag of coins in my, in my pocket, what I realized was this was some little child's pocket money. This was something that a little boy or girl owned and something that they had and something that they had uh, maybe worked for, maybe they had done chores, maybe they had had a tooth fairy come and had to lose a couple of teeth to get this cash. But there was a, a reason that this child had this money. But there was also a reason why this child decided to give and that's because they had a heart for Lacanio. They had a heart to understood who Lacanio was, what he had done for them. And also, they had a revelation of generosity towards Lacanio. And then literally a couple of days later, um, I was looking through the bank account, as I always do, and a very large tithe came through. And, um, and church, I've got to be honest, I, I like to think that I am a man who always does the right thing with finances. And I sat there and I looked at this amount and I thought, okay, so that person must have received a seven-figure sum in order to tithe what they just did. <laughs> and, and I looked at this amount and I thought, could I do that? Could I actually write the EFT payment to send to the church a six-figure sum? Was I capable of that? Was I capable? And, and I still don't know. And I think the reason I haven't ever got a million pounds is because I, I, God isn't sure yet whether I would. But the point is, <laughs> so I'm going to work on that. But, um, but I think I looked at these two beautiful stories in our own church, in our own midst. And the young boy or girl that gave the money could be sitting here. The person that gave the um, large tithe could be sitting here. 
But God doesn't look at either one of those people any differently. What he saw was the condition of both of their hearts. What he saw was the condition of where their soul was, where their heart was pointing towards, and what they were devoted to. Because Leanne always says that um, there is a path that we wind down, that we worship, and at the end is a throne. And I believe both of these young, this young person and this extravagant tither, they were both serving a throne, the throne of God, the throne of the most our heart. The one that is, is and was and is to come, the one that will look after them and provide for them, they're Jehovah Jireh. And, uh, and it had me think of scripture, so I'm sure you'll be glad to know that I'm going to uh, put some scripture. But the Bible says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And then the word also says, um, and I'm going to um, paraphrase this because it's a long piece of scripture, but it talks about this young ruler, this rich person. And, and he says, how do, I get into the, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, and he starts going through this list of things that he has to do and behave correctly, follow the commands. And then Jesus says to him, we have to give. And the man walks away sad because he couldn't do what he had been asked to do. And when I look at these two stories, what I see is in the first story, a woman whose heart is for God and a man whose heart was, was wrapped by the spirit of mammon. A man who was wrapped up in the spirit of money. Because church, I want you to understand today that the money that we have in our account, like everything else that exists under the sun, is spiritual. We were created by a spiritual being, a spiritual being created everything that we see. So everything has a spiritual component to it. And money is the same. And there is a curse on money when it is not done correctly. And the first widow was living under a blessing. The rich young ruler was living under a curse. The money had him. He didn't have the money. Um, the, his, his heart was wrapped up in what he had rather than wrapped up in the one that was talking to him. Imagine that conversation, church. You are talking to the king of the universe. You are talking to God the creator, a man who has done immeasurably more than we could have ever dreamed, a, a, a man who had done so much great works on earth, and he was saying give. And this rich ruler went, I can't. And sometimes, church, I think we all have those conversations with God. He nudges us in a service and says, give heart for the house. Oh, no, God, I can't. What about my bills? Or he nudges you and says, that poor person, give them some food. Oh no, Lord, what about my food? What about my children? And so tonight, what I want to do is explain a little bit more about what mammam is and the, and the curse of, of, of money. And then also give you some principles to help liberate yourself from that. I always get dry mouth when I get nervous. I'm so sorry. So mammam, what is it? What it means is riches. It, it literally means to be gripped, to have this uh, uh, kind of, this spirit on it, that this, this riches, where it has you. And I think I want you to understand is that money can either be something that you use or something that uses you and controls you. And, and so mammon will control you. Mammon speaks to you. Did you know that sometimes your money speaks? Did anyone know that? 
How many times you look in your bank balance and go, it's not enough, and you can just already hear, oh, bills aren't going to get paid, I'm not going to get enough, da, 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 da. when do I get a promotion? Da. It just talks to you, hey? Doesn't it talk to you? It talks to me. Mine normally says, Chris, you need new shoes. Chris, you need new clothes. Chris, your car's got a scratch on the back, you need to fix that. Chris, your dishwasher broke, you need to fix that. Chris, your garage door's broke. Money talks. And then worse, it compares. <laughs> and it says... Have you seen Andre? He's always so well-dressed, Chris. And, um, like, why don't you get some nice new shoes and look like your boss? Like, it looks embarrassing when he gets up and you get up. Thankfully, he wasn't on the platform tonight. But, or I look at other people. I go to people's houses. We have a congregation in Melkbos, and we go into the Atlantic Beach Estate, and I go, oh, I love my house, but it doesn't look like this. <laughs> And my house doesn't have a restaurant nearby. And my house doesn't have a golf course as my back garden. And I begin to compare and to contrast. But that's the spirit of mammon over my money. Because that isn't okay. And that isn't right. And I shouldn't be bogged down in that kind of um, thought processes. It, it's unhealthy. It's unjust. It will grip you. And it will take you out of your future. And mammon also wants to rule you. Your money wants to be in control. Your money wants to be in charge. <laughs> Your money wants to control you. It wants to control where you give and how you give and what you don't do and what you do do and ultimately how you feel on a daily basis. It also makes promises that it can't keep. It promises you power and wealth and affluence and prestige. But all of those things are are only things that we can get by the grace of God and not by some material thing that God created in the first place. None of those things are able in and of themselves to give us anything other than what they are, a transaction of material things this side of eternity. That's all they're there for. It doesn't do anything else. And the word of God actually says that we shouldn't store treasures here on earth. And I always think to myself, like, if something happens to me tomorrow, my dishwasher's not coming with me, so it can stay broken for a couple of days. And if I go next week, my shoes aren't coming anywhere, I get a new body, and maybe I'll be a size 12, and I can't even fit in them anyway. And so none of the things that I have here are coming. So why do I worry about them with such an incessant waste of time? The word of God says that what God cares about is people. And people are the prize. And um, my wife and I may not have every bell and whistle that could ever be had on the earth, but my six-year-old is saved, and my two-year-old baby was worshiping on the front row twice today in his first day in church. And that, for me, is more important than the clothes that he's wearing or the car that we arrived in or the house that we live in, because all of those things will pass away, and they could all disappear tomorrow. It could all change. Nothing is permanent. But what will always be true and fair is their love from the Father and their place in eternity. And church, I want you to hear that tonight, that your money must align with the ordinances and with the decrees and with the plans and the purposes that God has for humanity. Not you saying, but I have a plan. I have, Lord, Lord, I have, no, no, he, he doesn't, he, it's not that he doesn't care, but he, he has a bigger agenda. Like get on his plan and then see what he won't do. I got on his plan in 20, uh, 2007 
And because I got in his plan, I'm no longer in debt. I own my own house. Um, I'm the first one in my generation to own my own house. I'm now doing my degree as a 40-year-old man, and I'm paying for that myself. And, and I will be one of the first educated in my family. And I don't say that to boast. I say that to all of you as inspiration, that if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. But it starts with letting go of what you believe is important. Stop trying to acquire or go after or build and just release and let God. Because when you release control and give God the author and the authority of your life, he will do what he promises to do. And he is able to make promises and keep them, but your money can't. Can I get an amen? amen. So I have three points uh, that I want to talk for a few minutes on each one. And the first one says, your heart directs, so set it right. Your heart directs, so set it right. The Word of God says in Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then it also says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the word of God is very clear here, church, that everything that we do flows out of our heart. That um, my desire to stand here to speak to you, my desire to love my wife, that my desire to love my kids, it comes out of my heart. Would you agree with that? Like, just think now about something that you love, something that your heart is for. Have you called them in the last few days? Have you thought about them? Have you prayed for them? Have you bought them a coffee? Are, are you um, spending time with them? Have you bought them gifts for Christmas? Probably yes to all of the above, because your heart is with them. And where our heart is, we will bless and give and give over. If you looked at my spending, and I, you know, I'm not going to show you, but if you looked at it, <laughs> and you looked at any budget I've ever done in my life, the first line says tithe. And I don't care whether you give me 100 rand, um, which happens. I, we have uh, money that sometimes comes into our UK account, and it's people giving us a gift, and we tithe on that money. Because my f the first part of my budget is that I will tithe, because my heart is for God. My heart is directed to the things of God. And I am not building treasures here on earth. I'm building treasures in heaven. And so I want you to really... Think about in this series, we have one further week left. And in this seven days, really look at your spending. Look at what you do and, and, and where your money goes and your time and your treasure. And really kind of ask yourself the questions, where, where is my heart really? Because the Word of God also says where you spend is where your heart is. So also the more you spend in an area, the more your heart will be directed towards it. So if you are not sure that your heart is in the kingdom of God, Give more to the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that because we need your income. I, I, honestly, give or don't give, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, if you don't, you are robbing yourself and your family of the blessings that are available to you when your heart is directed towards God. And the only person that pays when you decide not to be obedient is you and your family. That's the truth. And I can't shield you from that, and it's my job to present that to you this evening. But really think about where your heart is directed. Where is it pointed towards? Where is it leaning towards? And, and so, you know, we've got some young people in here where you're probably earning 10 rand a week because you've got pocket money or whatever. I don't know how much pocket money is. My children are too young. But, um, 
but you might not be getting much, but then think about your time and your treasure and your talent. Where is your energy going? Where is your talent going? Where is your um, ability to communicate and spend time and, and fellowship with people? Where are those things going? Is it going to the things that are building treasures in heaven or are they going into things that will rot and be destroyed and are temporary here on earth? Yeah? So where is your heart? Where is your heart? And I want to say to you, I think if you also look to my bank balance, you'd also see I like food. Because <laughs> um, I do spend a little bit too much on food. And I saw someone today who said, Chris, you've lost so much weight. And I wanted to kiss him. And then I thought it would be inappropriate. Because um, I'm spending a little bit less on food and trying to take care of my, of my waistline. And listen, we, we share in GrowTrack all the time. The, the final part of GrowTrack says three sentences. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference. And I have said those lines over and over for years in this church, but I believe them. What you do needs to have an eternal significance. Please, church, build a great career. Build nice houses. Have good cars. Please have all of those things, but do them all so that they can build eternity, that they can build your life so that you can help others. Don't drive past people in your big car and never pick people up. Like, and come to church and go, oh, those poor people, they're walking in the rain. <laughs> and you have like seven seats in your car. Please, for heaven's sake, stop and pick them up. Like, that's, that's the kind of attitude. The inter service always joke with my wife and I. So we, um, we bought a newer car because we were getting... Um, an extra child, and we call it the year to serve mobile because if we're going somewhere, I take all the guys because we have enough seats. I'm not going to drive somewhere and get there on my own, and then all the other guys had to go in a dodgy Uber, and um, and then I get there and I just travelled on my own and stuff. That's like it's not right. And in my house, we've always had people living in our brand in our spare bedrooms. Why? Because we have until we open. And so that for me is what a life looks like where you are building eternity, where you are focused on others and helping others and building others because people are coming with us, yeah? And I want to get to heaven one day and see all of the people that the people that I have blessed over the years have brought to heaven because that's going to keep playing forward, that one day I'm going to meet random people that I never met here on earth that go, do you know that that person that you spoke to like 10 times on, they helped me to, learn, to know Christ, and I'm here because of that. And I want those moments, church. Not in a prideful moment, because I was so thankful that I was saved. I'm so thankful that I didn't die in 2004 and didn't end up in the wrong place. I'm so grateful that I will give anything and everything to make sure that nobody um, is lost. Like Jesus said, when he was searching for coins and searching for sheep, people are his passion. So the second thing is that your heart is a muscle. <laughs> so work it out in the right way. And I'm going to say something in a moment that my wife's going to laugh. But um, as part of my wanting to get healthy this year, I, I bought a bike for my 40th birthday. And um, I would like to say I ride it every day, but I have ridden it twice. And, and I like to blame the fact that I, uh, my child's bike also broke. My father-in-law's called me out on that and fixed my, brother's, uh, my son's bike today. So tomorrow I literally have no excuse to not ride the bike. But, um, but isn't that true sometimes? You know, our heart is a muscle. And so sometimes we can have great ideas and great suggestions, but not put it to work. And so, you know, the bike in the garage isn't going to make me healthy. 
It's me on the bike, riding the bike in the street that makes me healthy. And you having the idea of giving or the idea of stewardship won't make you blessed. It's doing it and putting your action to your thoughts that will help that future come to pass. Does that make sense? So please, if you get anything else from this message, just stop being a bike in the garage. Get out and ride it. Get out and do something. Get out and, and step, on, uh, step out of the water and do something. And, and, and I know giving is hard. Giving is not natural. It's not natural. It's not natural to give your money away. It's not natural when you are speaking to your son with the tooth fairy money of going, look, Michael, we're going we're gonna to tie this, my boy. You know, I gave him 10 rand, and I'm asking him to give a rand away. Like, a, it, it, someone watching goes, what a terrible parent. But I'm teaching him great discipline that will do him well for his future. And, but giving is not natural. So just like me getting on the bike is not natural. <laughs> it's really not natural. The seat is really hard. <laughs> And I'm losing the weight, so my bum doesn't even like. I needed a bigger bum to sit on there. And I was, but anyway, so, um, so like riding isn't natural to me. You have to start putting action. You have to start building the muscle towards it. And I want to give you some rough stats. And please don't quote me on this. Um, and please don't send me an email because uh, I won't read it. But I looked. There are two billion. Uh, people, according to Google, and we all know Google knows everything, two billion people on the planet that call themselves a Christian. Two billion. Two billion. Obviously, those people are everywhere. They can be in the poorest country, the most affluent, but there are two billion people scattered across the whole globe. And I looked at it, did some rough uh, thoughts and processes, and the average salary of the world converts is about 923 pounds a month, which right now is about 18,000 rand. Just imagine if two billion people gave 1,800 rand. I couldn't even figure out how much it was. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the numbers guy here, but I, I was like, I'm so lost. I can't even figure out how, what two billion times 1,800 actually is. My father-in-law will probably tell me on the ride home, but because uh, he's very good at numbers. But that is a lot of money, church. Would you all agree? And now I want to contextualize it into our congregation. If all 1,000 people gave 1,800, how much money do we have here? How many other stories do we have on the screen? How many missed opportunities are not happening because of your contribution that is missing? And I don't care whether it's one round 80 or 1.8 million. God sees the heart, and it's the heart that he wants, and he knows it's the heart that will enable you to do everything else that's before you and point your direction but that's a sobering statistic, hey? Because sometimes we put our hands up and go, Lord, feed the poor. Lord, save the schools. Lord, do different government. Lord, fix ESCOM. I mean, we're two billion rand. We could fix ESCOM. <laughs> no, seriously, with that kind of money, church, we could change the world. And God must sometimes look at us and go, you Idiots. I mean, that, that's me speaking, not God. I would be much ruder if I was God. But I'd be like, I, I've given everything to you. There are two million of you on the planet living in every single nation, in every single tribe, every single color, every single demographic, every gender. There's two billion of you, and you've got money in your bank account. If you all just gave what I asked you to give and no one gave extra, everything is fixed. Everything is fixed. So church, I want to... Really, and I believe as I sat and I, I looked at these numbers, it was really sobering for me and it gave me a renewed passion. I'm not asking you to give more. I'm just asking you to give what he asked you to give. And if we all do that, 
and then we will be blessed. And the, the, the word of God says, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. They share, they share their food with the poor. And, uh, and I love reading Acts 2. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I love going back and reading um, when, the, uh, when the church became the church. And it says there was no unmet need around them. And that wasn't some big offering they had to do. It wasn't some big motivation. It was that the people that had looked after the people that didn't. And in their own church, they were able to resolve their own poverty needs in their congregation. They didn't need to go external, didn't need to look elsewhere. They just needed to call their people to action. And finally, I want you to understand that your heart is spiritual. So make sure it beats with Christ. Your heart is spiritual. There have been times where I have struggled to give. There have been times where I have sat here or sat in other services across my Christian journey and, and, and God, I just don't know whether I can, Lord. I, I'm, I'm tired, I'm fed up, I'm hurt, I'm angry maybe, and I'm not sure I want to give. And so I would say to you tonight, if you are finding yourself on that end of the spectrum tonight, then maybe to, to think about the analogy of a heart, maybe there's some stuff clogging your arteries that's kind of preventing some of the goodness to run through it. And maybe that's some unforgiveness. Maybe you're rotting yourself from the inside out. You know that I once heard it said, and I think it's so good, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and wanting the other person to die. Unforgiveness only hurts you. The other person doesn't care, doesn't know, is moving on with their life. They potentially are still blessed. Maybe they've prayed and sought forgiveness, but they've moved on. The Word of God says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Who here has sinned and done something wrong that God needs to forgive them for? Oh my hat, there's some perfect people in the room. Goodness, goodness gracious. So if, if you put your hand up tonight and someone has done wrong to you, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Because if you don't, your heart will become clogged up. You know, you can't, you can't serve God and love God and worship God with a heartless unrepentance and unforgiven. You are going to end up hurting people, hurting yourself, speaking badly and doing incorrect things when you have that kind of attitude going on. Maybe it's greed. <laughs> Maybe you literally just want everything. And the Word of God actually says, um, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come which include greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. So if you've got some greed, go to God and ask him to remove it. Go to God and ask him to do what only he can do as the great heart surgeon and uncover where the root is and to unlock it and to uncover it. Maybe do freedom, join a view group, do something, church, that helps to get rid of that root that is clogging up your artery. And maybe you're coveting. Maybe you are always looking and wanting what other people have. Or maybe you heard me say I had a new car. I want a new car. That's coveting. <laughs> like, or I want a wife. That's coveting. Don't have mine. Um, <laughs> you can't have Louise. Um, but that's coveting. So you know, if that's going on in your heart, church, you need to spend time with God and get rid of it. And, and what I would say to you is your ability to give will, will demonstrate whether you have been close and intimate with God. So if you are struggling struggling in the area of giving, may I suggest to you, turn off your devices, turn off the things that are distracting you and get into God's presence and ask him to reveal to you because his word says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God, you know, if you ever played trump cards, like Trump, Trump, when you're like 3.0, 2.0, and you have to compare cards. God will just come in and go, boom, I gave Jesus. 
I hung him on a cross. I watched him die. I felt his pain. He was perfect. He was sinless. He deserved nothing. And it was all placed upon him because of your wrongdoing and your malice, your greed, your unforgiveness. But I put it on him anyway. And I stood there and I watched as the full weight of that penalty was done and in hell and in heaven we were born and redeemed. So if you don't think that you're able to give, just remember that God gave you everything and literally sweated blood from his body so that you could sit in the seat. And what he asked for in comparison is nothing. Is nothing. It really is. And so as I close tonight, I just want to remind and hopefully encourage all of you to Please, church, to check the condition of your heart and keep doing it. If you were someone that started giving a long time ago, I applaud and commend you, but keep going. But keep checking. Just like, you know, as I get into my 40s, I'm having to have my blood pressure checked a little bit more and the doctor's more worried about my cholesterol because I'm getting older. And sometimes with age, actually it gets harder to stay healthy. And sometimes as we get older, we become jaded and we've been let down and that church hurt me, that pastor upset me, that person didn't speak to me. I'm not tithing. Those aren't reasons not to give. They really aren't. And so what I would say to you now is keep going, keep walking, keep fighting the good fight of faith. And, and I promise you, if you can put God first in the area of your finances, you will never come last. Because if he is first on your list, you are first on his. And you will live a blessed life, a wonderful life. And if you take nothing else from me, just remember 2007, I didn't have enough money to pay my basic bills. I owed more money to man than I could even dare write on a spreadsheet. And as I stand here today, I owe nothing to anyone. I own my own house, I own my own car, and I'm blessed. Why? Because I put things in God's ordinance. But stop worrying about what you don't have. Stop coveting your neighbor. Stop coveting the things that aren't in your life. And just start praising God and being thankful for the blessings that you have. And church, with every head bowed and, and eye closed tonight, I want to speak to a group of people and, and maybe you have uh, really struggled with the whole message because uh, I keep referring to this man, Jesus, and this person of God and you're sat here going, I actually don't even think I know who this person is. And so I want to give you an opportunity to tonight begin the journey to your blessed future by saying yes to Christ. Because Christ is real, he hung on that cross. As I said, he died for your forgiveness and to, to blot away the sins that you have over your life. You don't need to do anything. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it even. But he gives it to you graciously as a free gift that he paid on your behalf. So tonight, if you know that you need to come home to Jesus for the first time, when I count three, I want you to put your hand up and I want you to be bold because... <laughs> He hung on a cross. I've asked you to put your hand up. Be bold tonight. If your heart's beginning to pound and you're starting to feel a little bit uneasy in your seat, that is probably um, your, uh, the conscience starting to unravel in you that's saying that you need to be one of those people. So when I get to three, put up your hand. One, two, three. Church, can we together pray this prayer? And... Can we commit afresh today um, to beginning and re-beginning and recommencing our relationship with God? Father God, we come before you and we acknowledge our need of you, our Savior. We ask that you forgive us, redeem us, set us free, and stop the bondage that ensnares our hearts and our
our souls. Today we start anew, brand new creations. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you, church. Come on, let's thank Chris Berry for that. Awesome. I was, I'm actually thinking about Chris's bike. I'm trusting that it gets used. My wife bought a treadmill twice, I think, and she used it once each time, and I've sold it back on Facebook, Marketplace. So whenever she wants to buy something, let's buy this. I'm like, that's a treadmill. I just, that's code for I think you're not going to use it. <laughs> but I believe that she'll use that bike in Jesus' name. I thought that was a phenomenal message. Um, and... I've said to the church, so I've been here for, for just over 22 years on staff. And if I could give my big takeaway, my biggest takeaway has been if, if I had to speak to my younger self, I would tell myself, find a place where you can serve and give. It will change your life. And I still believe the best gift I've given to my girls is living a life where I serve God and I give in front of them. Because I still think it's the way you really experience life. There's nothing like living a generous life where you honor God and you serve people. I promise you. And that's my takeaway. So if I wasn't doing this anymore and something changed tomorrow, the thing I would walk away with is I just need to find another place where I can give and honor God. It's, it's life-changing. So I encourage you guys to step out. Let's see, we encourage you, if you want us to pray for you, of course, that's how we can serve you. Don't wake up wondering what's going to happen. Wake up knowing that we're praying for you. Our prayer team will pray for you, our staff. So you can use this card in the seat cover in front of you or it's under the chair in the front row. But you can fill out your prayer requests. Then if you need to take a next step, the best way to do it is at the red banner. As you walk out, you'll see a view group red banner. You can find out about your next step. You can find out about getting into a view group um, and or any information you need. And of course, for first time guests, you can also grab your first cappuccino there. Um, if you missed the first time guest sort of greet and you are new, why don't you go there and you can get your card. Um, and then, yeah, we're doing next week, um, we'll be doing the, the third week. So don't miss out on that. Um, and yeah, have an awesome week. Let me pray for you guys. God, let's lift up everyone in this place. Uh, I pray that you'd lead them, you'd guide them, and you'd protect them. As Scripture says, they're coming in and they're going out would be blessed. I pray that they'd find the boundary lines would have fallen in pleasant places for them this week. And they'd really experience your grace and your love and your protection. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone believe this it? Amen. God bless you guys.